So you want to hear about a book, but you're always on the go. Just sit back and relax, my friend, because I've got a mini-sode of Dustin Can Read. The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Wow. That's my first big takeaway from reading the words the author put on the page. Damn would be my second reaction. This novel is a force of nature. From an outsider's perspective, it would seem this book would just be designed to, quote, preach and teach, especially to the average American white person. While those teaching moments are strung throughout, the book is far more than just teachable moments. This book is about a teenage girl's life. It's about her family, her friends, her school, and her community. This may seem like a simple assessment, but it goes far beyond that. Sure, Star Carter is our first-person narrator. Sure, we can see everything through her eyes, but that's the point. Star just wants to live a normal teenage life, but she's conflicted. Does she stay true to her, quote, hood roots, or does she gentrify herself at her mostly white upper-middle-class school? I'd have to say this inner conflict is the most relatable aspect of Star. She's asking who she is, but also who she wants to be. She tiptoes around a lot of people, as everything and everyone in her life seems to be at odds with each other. Is she too black? Is she not black enough? This double life mentality is very relatable for me because as a gay man growing up in the South, you learn to hide aspects of yourself. You compartmentalize your mannerisms and your speech. Certain topics in mixed company will be off limits because you don't want to, quote, start something. It's exhausting being everything for everyone. That's how Star lives. We first meet Star as she's at a, quote, garden party. Her family lives in an area named Garden Heights, but she's never been to a neighborhood party, with good reason. At one point, she finds herself alone, but Khalil, an old friend from when they were babies, comes over to hang out. They chit-chat a bit before hearing a fight break out and gunshots are fired. Khalil grabs Star and they jump in his car to go home. Reminiscing about good times past, they suddenly hear a familiar whoop-whoop, followed by blue lights. This is where Star informs us non-black folks about the talk. Most of us got some version of the birds and the bees, but this isn't the talk she's referring to. She recalls that she, and most other black kids at a certain age, were instructed on how to handle police encounters. The main points are, keep your hands visible, no sudden movements, and only speak when spoken to. Star was also instructed to make sure to memorize everything about the cop that she can. She studies his face and most noticeably remembers his badge number, 115. She ends up referring to the cop as 115 throughout the book, even though we do learn his name. Khalil is noticeably upset at being pulled over for a broken tail light. Star tries to keep him calm, but he's majorly irked. The cop gets Khalil out of the car, yanking him out part of the way like an asshole. He then tells Khalil not to move as he goes to run in his info in, in his police cruiser. However, just as Khalil turns and opens the car door to ask if Star is okay, pow, pow, pow! Khalil is dead. 115 shot him in the back. Everything happens so fast. Even in the book, the pacing is perfect. I felt like I was in the car with them. Like I witnessed all of this myself. Backup cops come and, and so does an, an ambulance. 
All the while, Khalil is dead in the street. There's a brilliant line that gives me chills still when I read it because it's of its familiarity. It goes, 115 sits on the sidewalk with his face buried in his hands. Other officers pat his shoulder and tell him it'll be okay. They finally put a sheet over Khalil. He can't breathe under it. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. (sighs) Damn. Throughout the book, this line repeats itself in many different ways and under different circumstances. I can't breathe. Think about what you've read in the news about the black victims of police brutality. Most of them said this at some point, and it was not lost on me. Her family comes to collect her to take her home. She ends up remaining anonymous about being the witness to the execution. And let's be honest, it was an execution because no white person would have been gunned down so fast. The rest of the book, she doesn't know what to do. Should she speak up about what happened? What if the police retaliate? What if gangbangers get involved? What would happen if everyone in school found out? Will this haunt her forever? On top of the investigation, she has to deal with the ever-growing conflict with her white friend Haley. Haley, to me, is the epitome of white privilege. She's so blind to it that she blames others for her having it so good. It's weird. Star and Haley have been on the outs ever since Star posted a picture of a mutilated Emmett Till on her Tumblr blog. That's when Haley unfollowed her. There's been tension ever since. The conflict within Star of whether to stand up to her friend has a great quote from her later. Quote, that's the problem. We let people say stuff, and they say it so much that it becomes okay to them and normal for us. What's the point of having a voice if you're going to be silent in those moments when you shouldn't be? Also, Star has a secret white boyfriend, Chris. My first thought was how he was most likely going to be turning on her at some point in a black versus white scenario. But it doesn't play out that way at all. Chris is a surprising character, one that gives me hope for a better future in which white people try to learn and grow and be more open-minded. We can all hope, right? The book deals a lot with the community that Star is from. Though she doesn't like to admit it, She's from the, quote, ghetto. Her dad owns one of the only grocery shops around, and there are always gang wars going on between the Garden Disciples and the King Lords. The King Lords are the main focus of the conflict, since the leader, King, used to have Star's dad, Maverick, under his thumb. King is an evil son of a bitch in this book. He's the stereotypical drug lord gang leader. He thinks nothing can touch him. I hate these characters, since they really closely resemble actual human behavior when power comes into play. Throughout the book, I wanted someone to deck him, shoot him, just something to end his tyranny. Star's story is so much more than a black versus white story of police brutality. It examines every angle that's available to her. She has an Uncle Carlos who is a police detective. Her mom's a nurse. Her dad's an ex-con. She has friends on both sides of the tracks. She's a very smart girl who knows how to handle herself, but anyone in this situation would have conflicting thoughts about everything. To read her process, considering all information and her experience, it's an amazing feat Angie Thomas took on. The way she writes through Star's eyes gives us all a chance to like pop into her head for a bit. I feel like I know Star. I feel like I am Star. Finally, the title. 
The Hate You Give. Throughout the book, Star's father Maverick, and even Khalil at the beginning, he tells her about Tupac Shakur. She loves to crack on him for listening to the quote old school rap, but as the story progresses, she respects Tupac's message more and more, and she understands it. Early on in the book, her father tries to make her feel better about everything that's happening. He tries bribing her with ice cream and Harry Potter, which he swears the Hogwarts houses are actually gangs, which I think is pretty funny, actually. (laughs) But she's not budging. They end up having this conversation about Tupac and his tattoo for Thug Life. Star tells her dad that Khalil told her it's an acronym for The Hate You Give Little Infants Fucks Everybody. Her dad is surprised she knows this, but wants to know if she knows more about what it means. To quote Star, Khalil said it's about what society feeds us as youth and how it comes back and bites them later, I say. I think it's about more than youth, though. I think it's about us, period. Us who, he asks. Black people, minorities, poor people, everybody at the bottom of society. The oppressed, says Daddy. Yeah, we're the ones who get the short end of the stick, we're the ones they fear the most. Later, Maverick adds, quote, That's the hate they're giving us, baby. A system designed against us. That's thug life. A takeaway I got from this is that Tupac was right. We are in a vicious cycle of hate and oppression that's just getting worse as time goes on. Until we stop the cycle, no one will be truly free. No one. So this book was published by Baltzer and Bray in 2017. And even though the book's been out for a minute and a movie came out shortly after the movie was published, I don't think I will be spoiling anything for this. I have not watched the film, though from seeing the cast list on IMDb, they seem to have done a perfect job casting the characters from the page. I found myself laughing out loud quite often at Star's inner monologue and crying when moments of love from the community came around. Seriously, I don't cry at books, so that's how good this this book was. I do not cry. I was sobbing. It's crazy. I had to stop myself several times and take breaks because I just felt so hard. I was so deep into my feelings. I just couldn't... I ha- it took me a while to read this. I do want to say a big thank you to Angie Thomas, the author. She's a fellow Mississippian and a brilliant writer. I needed this book, and I think others need it too. Oh, and by the way, Black Lives Matter. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Dustin can read.